What's up, everybody? My name is Lee. Some of you guys might know me as Intuition, and you are tuned in to Kinda Neat. Thank you guys for tuning in, as always. This week on the show, we have producer and beatmaker Jansport J. Jansport is somebody that I've known for a long time uh, as an acquaintance, type of dude you might see around at shows, dap each other up, et cetera, et cetera, but, you know, never had a formative conversation with him or anything like that. But I've just always known his name, always thought he's a good guy. Back in around 2009-ish, I would see him around with a rapper he was working with named Hard Work at every show, back when I was playing a lot of shows with Verbs and stuff like that. So he was just a, you know, another dude in the same scene as me, and turns out that even way back then, he was friends with my future wife, because right at the beginning of this podcast, you'll hear us talk about a gal named Jasmine, and Jasmine is one of my wife's best friends, and back then, they were co-hosting a radio show at Pepperdine together that was like a hip-hop radio show, and they would interview people and stuff like that. Crazy how that works, because now here I am a decade later doing that as well. Jansport became kind of a fixture on that show, and that's the story that we start off with. So, very small world, very, very small world back when I was first getting familiar with him. That is also the year that I met my future wife, and you know they were already friends at that point too. So, interesting how that shit works. I'm going to keep the intro uh, short this week because I have a bunch of painters currently working on the lot that I rent. The back house, the people moved out, and so they're trying to uh, fix it up to have other renters move in. So there's a bunch of noise right now. My dog's been going apeshit all all morning. But everything's um, good on the home front, you know. I did some adulting over the week where uh, I was looking for a therapist, like I talked about, and I was looking for a dentist. So these are two... (laughs) These are two things, both that take place on my head that I need to take care of, you know, dental work and therapy work. So hopefully I get that stuff together pretty quick. I have been shopping for both. So we'll see what happens trying to hold myself accountable and make sure that I start seeing a therapist because even though the depression has alleviated itself a little bit uh, from where I was a few weeks ago, you know, bound to come back again. That's how the shit works. It's bound to come back. Uh, Other than that, Six more weeks till the baby comes. Maybe almost like five weeks now or something. We've got all this stuff in the house set up. We got a freaking stroller. We got a high chair that we won't need for probably a few months, but it's already set up. It's getting very real. We had our last big ultrasound where they were checking everything one last time, and it's all good. We're going to start switching to weekly doctor appointments pretty soon here to keep checking the progress and see when he needs to come out. So. I'll be a dad real quick. Who would have thought it? I'll tell you what. 12 years ago when I met Jansport, Jay, and Mia, I wouldn't have thought this shit, but here we are. Here we are. But Jansport, Jay, on the show this week, just put out a record called Save My Soul 2. He's been putting in a lot of work. It's really a story of perseverance and stick to and uh, I love it. You know, a lot of the people that were in the scene that I was in 10, 12 years ago, I'm not in contact with them anymore. I don't know that a lot of them are still making music. If they are, they certainly aren't getting the type of placements that Jansport's been getting. He's got he's worked with Snoop, Benny the Butcher, Freddie Gibbs, Dom Kennedy, all these great rappers. And he's just kept his chin down, kept his nose to the grindstone, kept working and kept being a good dude. And that shit pays off. That shit pays off. So really happy for him. Just last year, he put out four beat tapes. He's got a new thing of not being precious with the beats. He's just putting it out as he makes them. I think that's great. 
and I think the busier you stay, the busier your phone is, and um, he keeps answering the calls, so that's fantastic. Without further ado, let's get into this episode with Jansport J. Pepperdine, yeah. So I met Jasmine. Um, funny because I was starting to get uh, just starting to work a little bit within the LA hip hop scene, and I think I saw, yeah, you and I or Dom uh, was coming up to Pepperdine to do a radio interview. They like post the flyer on MySpace, and I'm like, I go to Pepperdine. Like, who's doing the interview with them? So um, I just looked it up and saw, you know, Jasmine Ratansi was hosting it. So I I went up there. I think it was her second show that she had done, and so. Uh, from there, we, I just started hanging out there and just, you know, meeting a lot of people just coming through Pepperdine. And then, you know, Mia and Jasmine were like, you know, one and two. You saw one, you saw the other. So, yeah, yeah we just all met back then. That's crazy. Yeah. So just because you saw the, some artists that you like, you just went and hung around the station or whatever? Yeah, and, it, and it's funny because, like, I'm very uh, quiet into myself, but when it comes— As producers are. Yeah, yeah, but <laughs> when it comes to— uh, to music, I, I can be ambitious as far as, uh, especially when I, when I was starting out. It was like, you know what, I need to get out, I need to meet these people, shake hands, this is what I want to do. And so at that time, I was, you know, I'm from West Covina, the Covina area, so a lot of the shows were uh, at the Roxy, at, uh, you know, Key Club, all stuff like that. So I would just go to the shows by myself just to start meeting people and see, you know, who these performers are and stuff like that. So... Um, just having that spirit at that time when I saw that Dom was, you know, coming up to Pepperdine, who I just met. I think I'd met him over at uh, Polyester's studio when we were doing Curly Tops and Nautica Jackets. Yeah. It was like, oh, I just met Dom, and he's up here at Pepperdine, so I'm going to just go and see who's doing because we we're going to have something in common if they're doing like a kind of somewhat underground hip-hop radio show at Pepperdine, which yeah. is— not the demographic for that, so not for real. So yeah, I just popped up and and met Jasmine, and yeah, because I feel like Jasmine was on that same hustle back then too, mm-hmm. because yeah. that's the way that I actually met Jasmine and Mia was uh Mia Verbs had a show with Speak right at, yeah. at Irvine. And they like just showed up to interview people afterwards yeah, with like yeah. a little, you know, little, little record goofy that, recorder yeah, thing that was, yeah. That's when we all like, when she started doing those interviews and stuff, she I, she had like the blog site and all that and she would post it and, you know, yeah. I was kind of like kept in the loop with all that stuff she was doing. And, you know, me and Jasmine stay tight to this day. She's, you know, giving me a lot of opportunities with Snoop. And, yeah, because she's like one of Snoop's right hand people yeah, at this point now. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So, yeah, shout out to Jasmine and Mia. That's small world. That's crazy. Yeah, yeah. That I mean, literally, that's how that's how I met Mia was because her, her and Jasmine were interviewing people and we wow. stayed in contact. That was like probably 12 years ago or something. Wow, yeah, Jasmine yeah. the Connector. And now we got a baby on the way in two months. That's beautiful, Yeah, man. man. Wow, yeah, yeah. congrats. Crazy, crazy shit. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, West Covina, that's where you were born and raised? Uh, actually born in Alaska. Dude, uh, I'm <laughs> from Alaska. That's wild. Anchorage, You're born in Alaska? Anchorage, Alaska. Air I Force, left, Army? My dad was in the Air Force. Um, Mine too. Yeah, he. I think he was done by the time I was born, but he just loved it. He's from here, yeah. like West Covina area, um, La Puente. So You were born in Elmendorf? He was stationed at Elmendorf. Yeah. But we just lived like it was these apartments um, 
Woodbridge or yeah, something like yeah, that yeah. in Anchorage. So yeah. I lived in Anchorage till I was five. Uh, Get my, the fuck My out. older sister kind of like really grew up in Alaska. Um, I have very few memories. I have memories of family there, but not too much running yeah. around Alaska. Yeah. And from there we moved, you know, because he wanted to come back down and uh, help out the family business and stuff like that. So we moved to Chino. Um, but the hub of everything in my life was always West Covina. That's where my grandmother lived. And yeah. so all the family, you know, barbecues and all that stuff. Even when I was a baby, when my mom would fly down to, you know, visit the family, we were staying in West Covina when I was yeah. one or two. So we officially moved to uh, Covina when I was, I want to say, 13, 14. 13. So, yeah. I mean, I know that you don't have a lot of memories of it, but you're the first person I've ever yeah. talked that's Well, maybe <laughs> yeah. the second, actually. We might have had one other guest that was born in Alaska. But, Word. you know, my my dad was stationed in Elmendorf for a little bit, too. Wow, but I was crazy. in I was in Fairbanks, but I grew up there from age five until college. Wow. wow. Yeah. And that's you know, wild. What's really funny to me is that people, they always go like, oh, you must have had no black people in Alaska. There's plenty of black people. Bro. Yeah. Because the, the military, yeah, 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 army and air force. There's yeah. like it's very surprisingly diverse in Alaska. My my dad went back up there. Uh, I have aunts and cousins still there. No you know, shit. Like, mainly my mom's family is in North Carolina. My dad's family is in California. Yeah. But my mom's sister uh-huh. is in Anchorage, and then my dad was up there stationed in the military. So my mom went to go visit her sister, and then they met and all oh, that. Oh, wow. Stuff. So they met in Alaska. Yeah, but wow. then he loved it. So when they divorced, like, he just went back up there. No shit. Know? So, and yeah. so he's still up there? He's up there to this day. Did you ever go visit? He comes down here a lot. Oh, yeah. I've only been once. It was in college. I went to go get this, uh, this like, little scholarship that they had put together. Yeah. And I missed my first flight because I was supposed to be there for, like, three or four days. So I had 24 hours in Alaska just in, in Anchorage. So yeah. it took me around to my family. But it was weird because— my aunt still lives in the same apartments. And as my dad was driving there, I was like, You can remember. I had memories. Like, yeah, just going around the city, it was all new to me. It's a small ass place. Yeah, but the apartments. And then we went to my aunt's house. I was like, I remember this. This is That's crazy. Wild. Yeah. So, what does your dad love about it? Like, just the outdoors or what? I mean, I'm just like him. So he's just like a, a quiet spirit. Yeah. And, um, you know, you grow up in the hustle and bustle of LA all your life. And, you know, Especially when you have your formative years and like yeah. the military and stuff like that, and you're in Alaska for ten years, like it's just peaceful up there. Yeah. He just he prefers it, and he's able to come down here. He comes down here like yeah. five, six times a year, sees family, does what he has to do, and then just goes back. That's wild. And yeah. it's funny because that's how I treat West Covina, where it's like I come out to LA all the time and you're do all my work. Yeah, but I like just going back home and like being somewhat removed from it. Yeah, wow. You know, my family, uh, very similar in that sense, where, like, they were raised in more dense states, and then they moved to Alaska. My dad uh, loved it up there, and they retired. My mom's still up there. My dad passed away, but they both, like... They just loved Alaska. Yeah. There's people, They, I mean, they, they're either ready to get back to like normal life or they just want to spend the rest yeah, of their lives Yeah, it's there. crazy. And, and neither of them are even super outdoorsy. It's just like they just liked, you know, how much I think uh, land you can buy out there for cheap, you know, housing is cheap. Every, you get you paid know, to live there. You get paid to live yeah. there a little bit, you know, good education system up there, mm-hmm. et cetera, et cetera. So, yeah, yeah crazy, it, man. It, it blew my mind because I didn't go during the – Peak winter or peak summer where the, yeah, you know, where the, the, but the extreme light. I, I landed in the fall and we were landing at, I want to say 930 and the sun was just Still starting to set. Yeah, yeah. And I was just like, that's wild. And my yeah. dad was telling me, he's like, yeah, no, we uh, like in the winter or during the summer, we just 
we put tinfoil on the, oh, yeah, on the windows. Oh, yeah, tinfoil on the windows, like, that's it. You're going to get three hours of darkness. Yeah, I, I always tell people when I was in high school, I used to um, play in a Midnight Sun baseball tournament where the championship game would start at midnight and we would play until three in the morning. No artificial light. Wow, Yeah, that's just nice. Because the sun would just be up. Yeah. Because it's even more extreme in Fairbanks because we're a little farther Yeah, north. yeah. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, so when you move back to California from Alaska – Mm-hmm. Is that like right when you're starting kindergarten and everything? Yeah, preschool. preschool. I went to preschool uh, in Chino. Yeah. Um, we had a preschool at the apartments that we lived at. Nice. So I was there. And then, um, yeah, just like my elementary school years in um, Southern California on, you know. Is uh, that area, Chino and Covina, that's still L.A. County or is that the IE? Yeah, well, so Chino is the IE. Yeah. And Covina is L.A. County. Okay. Um, it's like Pomona is really like that defining. So, yeah, we're like... On the, I want to say the west side yeah. of um, Pomona, and then Chino's east, so yeah. it's further east. Yeah. yeah, you said your parents split up. What age did they split? Uh, they split when I was. 13, 13 okay. or 14, yeah. So you're here for a while. Yeah, yeah. Like, we moved down here as a family. It's My mom is from North Carolina, went to Alaska, met my dad. Yeah. My dad brought her down to California, so she's living in California for the first time. Yeah, wow. They split when I'm 13. She stays here because I'm 13, yeah. my younger sister, and, like, this is what we know. So yeah. uh, her whole thing was, like, stay here, get them through school, and then she went back to North Carolina, so... Oh, so now she's back in North Carolina. Yeah, so and I'm pretty so much you're here. Just an yeah, LA my, nomad my baby sister is moving to North Carolina now, so it's just me and my older you. sisters in San Diego. Yeah, but you have your dad's, some of your dad's, my dad's family. family yeah, my my grandmother, my yeah. aunt, my uncle, and like they're so pretty much you know your support LA, system. Yeah, yeah. LA natives. Okay. Um, is is your little sister your only sibling? Two sisters. I got an older and a younger sister, and um, I never say that I'm the middle child because my older sister is 11 years older than me. Oh, okay. And then my younger sister is, uh, I want to say she's six or seven years. So right when my older sister was moving out, I was the baby the whole time. She moved out and my mom was pregnant with my younger sister. So then I felt like I was the oldest. Okay, okay. Yeah, just had like both spectrums really. Yeah, right. Where does this passion for music come from? Did you grow up in a musical household? Um... I, I believe so. I th- I mean, nobody played instruments. Nobody was like a, a classically trained musician or Your anything. Your dad a record collector? No, not even that. Um, my dad listened to AM sports radio all the time. No kidding. Um, what I do remember is my mom would play a lot of music. And like I said, and I think this is why West Covina and Covina area means so much to me, the the family pool parties and barbecues and stuff like that. Yeah. That's when all the music was playing. So yeah. we would hear, you know, my grandmother would play the smooth jazz, you know, 94.7, Kenny G and yeah. all that kind of stuff. And then when it was time for the oldies, I was hearing Marvin Gaye and Sam Cooke and, yeah. um, you know, Dion Warwick, all that kind of stuff. So, yeah. um, but I think the real love for music for me came from my older sister. Now I think about it because she used to put you on game. Yeah, my older sister, she was, I mean, she'll forgive me for this, but she was born in 74. So yeah. she's literally like hip-hop baby, you yeah. know? So she had the pictures of Slick Rick, of uh, Big Daddy Kane, of all these just like what looked like superheroes to me on her right. wall, like the Word Up magazines that big, like she had all that. Yeah. And so I used to, you know, just sit in her room and look at all that stuff. And uh, and she would have the CDs, and I would just like get lost in, in playing all the CDs. And I think that's just where I really kind of started getting the love for it. And then, you know, as a kid, I would just do weird shit. Like my mom, she would give me cassette tapes for Christmas, like in my stocking, but blank ones. So I could 
record CDs. my favorite songs on the radio, yeah. and then I would do fake radio shows. I, I was always trying to do something musical, but not understanding that's what it was. So, oh, wow. Yeah. Uh, when you look back and think about your sister's uh, album collection, was there one that you got really attached to in particular? I remember I used to stare at the um, the Nas It Was Written oh, album yeah. cover, I think. Yeah. It was written or I am one of those two, but I would just stare at it all the time because it just looks so majestic. Yeah. What else did I used to stare at a lot? Uh, I mean, when Tupac came out, obviously oh, yeah. the All Eyes on Me album. But even before that, you know, just Tribe Called Quest. My sister, the the blessing with her is that she listened to everything. It yeah. wasn't like she was in one lane. She would play Janet Jackson all day, yeah. Paula Abdul all day, and then it's N.W.A. And then it's, you know, it's it was everything. Uh, Rakim, Big daddy kane all that stuff so yeah i just kind of learned early on just to like listen to what i like so i have to wonder um were you like a shy kid that kind of kept to himself yeah, yeah um i think i was a a quiet kid yeah uh very much how i am now i'm quiet shy is a weird term to me because that kind of implies that you're you kind of i don't want to say coward but it's hard yeah, for you to you. Yeah. you know like when i need to speak or like even you know when i was younger at my church, we would have, like, speakers tournaments and stuff like that. And I was the quietest kid in my Sunday school class. Yeah. But if we had to do, like, a speaking, you know, little competition, I would just get up there and just be myself and confident. And they would be confused because it's like, he never says anything, but now he's just here and he's just... Just killing it. Yeah, so yeah. The, I, I've always been that way. Like, you know, very few words, but... um when I choose to speak or I, f I feel the need to speak, I don't have too much of an issue with it's it. It's because you have a reason to. Yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly. Small talk is very hard for me. I got you. Like, just, you know, like at the old job when I'm in the kitchen and somebody's asking, like, oh, how was your weekend? And it's just like this, you know, this conversation, you really yeah. don't care how my yeah. weekend was. And I, you know, it, that kind of stuff is kind of hard for me to do. But things with Dude, purpose is like. Same. That's yeah. why it's so easy for me to do this, but so hard mm -hmm. for me to, like, talk to people when I see them at the grocery store or yeah, something. I'm yeah. just like, I answer everything. Like, oh, yeah, you know, same shit, different yeah, day. It's, oh, it's yeah. terror for me in those situations. I'm just like, don't say anything weird. Just be normal. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. That's funny, yeah. So what were you into as a kid besides the music? Did, were you an athlete? Yeah, uh, I love basketball. Yeah. Um, I played basketball from first grade all the way through high school. Yeah. Um, and I even wanted to play in college. But at that point, it was like I just realized that'd be a whole other commitment to Absolutely. You drop everything else for that. Yeah, yeah. So um, in high school, it was like that because our program was very good. And it was like we practiced 11 months out the year. So when that was done, it was like I'm not, you know— I, I love basketball, but this is not what I'm going to do with my... I'm not tall enough for yeah. for what I wanted to do. That um, said, you are tall, though. You're, yeah, but, like, for the way I play, like, okay. when you start playing 6'8", six, 6'9", six, guys, yeah. it's like, all right, man, like, yeah. you're, you're done here. Growing up, you're probably a forward, and then you get to be 6'2", yeah. six, six, in high school, and you've got to be a, a point guard or something. Eighth grade, I had, I went from a 9 to a 12. I was 5'10". My knees were hurting, so yeah. they were like, oh, he's going to be 6'8". Yeah, and, I just, and then it just you know, Yeah, capped out. Yeah, right, right. Um, but, yeah, basketball as a kid... Um, I was always trying to do something artistic and I would get frustrated with it. Like I wanted to draw badly. I hated that I couldn't draw well. Man, that's frustrating. But I think that was my childhood. It was like I loved basketball. I knew that. And then I was trying to get this other outlet, which slowly became music where it was yeah. like, okay, this is what you want to do. Right. It was like the creativity was trying yeah, to get out it of was, you, which you couldn't figure it out. It was locked in. And yeah. so I think one of the pivotal things that happened for me is um, – I think my mom noticed those weird, quirky things about me, and she would feed it. Yeah. And um, I want to say it was fourth or fifth grade. We had to do a 
a project about famous inventors. And so we got Thomas Edison. You had to do some kind of creative way to tell about him. So me and my boy, we just decided to write a rap song to uh, the Gangsta's Paradise instrument. Wait, in what grade was this? This was fifth grade. Fifth grade? Miss King's class. Yeah, oh, I got to so, tell you. Go, keep, keep going. Yeah, so we just wrote a rap song. And um, and I remember then, that's when I learned how to count bars. Because yep. I'm... You know, I would memorize a song, then I would write it down, and I'm noticing there's like 16 lines here. Like, yeah. okay, so when we we have to write, you know, eight rhymes, right. pretty much, because so. that's when like the beat resets it. So. Exactly, and then I'm noticing, oh, that part that I heard earlier is coming back in again. Yeah. So like, this is all just super intrinsic stuff, and I'm learning along the way. That's amazing. I gotta tell you, my seventh grade year. That was my social studies class. We had all of these projects that we had to do, and you could do, uh, you could complete these seven projects throughout the year, however you wanted to, as creatively or whatever. Write papers or do dioramas or whatever. Mm -hmm. And me and my buddy uh, Richie, we wrote raps for every single one of them, and we were like, "Yo, we're gonna start a rap group." And um, similarly, not to Gangsters Paradise, but I remember doing one about pollution, where it's like, with so much pollution in the air (laughs) we breathe, it's kind of hard being big L double. Yeah, you just copy that cadence. just flip the little shit, you yeah. Know? And so, yeah, very similarly, like yeah. I, that's how I found out. Like, oh, I really love this rap shit. My name was Jay Smoothie. My name was Jay Smoothie, and his name was Vato. Hell yeah, <laughs> I, we were. I was Easy Lee and Richie Rich. That's amazing. Yeah. That's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> oh, how crazy. Um, beyond that project where you had to do um the Thomas Edison presentation, did you like school in general? Yeah. Um, I. What's funny is my mom says that it took me a long time to talk that only she could understand me. And so I guess in first grade, the teacher, she sent a letter home saying that they wanted to have me tested. So my mom is thinking that they're going to put me in the slower classes. I'm like, no, he's actually very gifted, like in this certain area, and we want to get him tested for the, you know, the gate program. program, Yeah, yeah. so um, I was in that. And what was awesome about that, which made me love school, is that especially in Chino, I had friends of all different, backgrounds you know filipino friends mexicans chinese and russians even and and we had pretty much the same group of classmates from like second to fifth grade because we were in the same program right so just you know developed a lot of strong friendships i figured out in those early years that you know we didn't have to be nerdy we could be cool but still be smart you know like we could still get good grades and we could go play basketball and video games and all yeah. that kind of stuff. It's interesting that you say that because I, I was in like GT programs as well. That's what we called them up there, not Gape. Same thing though. Mm-hmm. And um, it was such a wide range of characters in those classes, mm-hmm. but it was really like a lot of the, you know, quote unquote popular kids in school were in that gifted program mm-hmm. where I was always confused watching TV. Like why, why, why do they always make the smart kids nerds? Cause all the smartest kids were like the cool kids in my yeah. school. Yeah. And what was good about that is that kind of like you're saying, we had some of the more popular kids and yeah. we had some of the more shy nerdier kids, yeah. but I feel like that program was like the start of me learning how to relate to everybody. Yeah. And so just, you know, socialize with everybody and not cast anybody off so yeah right right that's really dope yeah yeah what is the the kind of like sociological makeup of like chino west covina i, I, I would think of it mostly like chicano uh yeah mo- mostly mostly mexican um but you you get a little bit of everything like in covina you mexicans uh there's a filipino community oh, yeah. you know different asian backgrounds yeah, right. um as i said mexican it's just a, a little bit of everybody yeah and we're all kind of kicking it somewhat. Yeah. Um, I know in areas of L.A., 
there might be a little bit more strife and stuff like that in certain sections. Yeah. With us, I felt like we were all at the same schools and, cool. you know, your older brother might have banged or something like that, but yeah. you're the younger brother, so you're cool. Like, we, we don't even yeah, trip right. off of that. So right, right. I just felt like growing up, it was just like a, I learned a, a lot about different people's cultures and just to respect, yeah. you know, different cultures. Yeah, that's dope. What was your friend group like in high school? Did you have a, a small group of, of really close guys or, or were you kind of just like a free agent hanging out with everybody? It was a mix of both. I had a a group of close friends that saw like me and my personality and being goofy and like yeah. who I am when I'm completely comfortable with people right. um, at the same time playing basketball and being in the AP classes, it exposed me to like some of the weirder, like even drama kids, uh, some of the super smart kids yeah. because of basketball. Some of the popular people knew me, but all that stuff was kind of like surface level. I just learned how like they knew my name and all yeah. that kind of stuff. Yeah. So I could, I, I kind of like, I could kind of go to any circle at the school and be okay. Yeah. But I was most comfortable with like the, six or seven close friends that I had. Right. And like, that was my thing, just, like, kick it with these guys. And those six or seven dudes, did any of them share the same kind of, like, emerging passion for music that you did? My friend Z is who I started making beats with. Yeah. So that was the one person. Um, He didn't continue with it, but in high school, that's what we did. It's funny because I hated underground hip-hop when I was younger. Really? Because I hated it because of the way the fans were. Yeah. So when... The way fans would approach me about like, oh, have you heard of Company Flow? Yeah. Oh, you haven't heard? I'm like, no, and it's I don't like want to listen to it. Yeah, yeah, like that. I don't want to be like you if yeah. that's. So a lot of that stuff I didn't listen to. Who, who was hitting you up in high school about Company Flow? Like there were there were different people. It yeah. was like Company Flow. Uh, I want to say was Cunning Linguist around oh, at yeah, that Cunning time Linguist, too. Yeah. Just you know all these bit, and I was yeah. just kind of closed minded because of how they were presenting it to me. Yeah. But this because they're close, like, oh, you don't know about that yeah. shit. Oh man, and I'm like, you're not. I mean, not to be, but it's like you're not even a black kid. And you're telling me about hip hop. Like, okay, so on, that's like, what I was wondering. It was like yeah, white kids telling yeah, you. Yeah, exactly. Because that sounded like some white boy. Yeah, shit. but <laughs> that's how um, I was when I was a kid. <laughs> right, but my my boy Z, he was he was cool as shit, yeah. and he listened to like you know when Get Rich or Die Trying came out, we listened to that Blueprint. Yeah. But he was the one that put me up on Jurassic Five, and so when oh, I heard yeah. Quality Control for the first time, Stop. my mind yeah. was blown, yeah. and I was just like, Quality Control and Blueprint were the albums that made me go from loving like hip hop and just like kind of fantasizing about it to writing rhymes in the back of my class. Yeah. Um, so being there in West Covina, I bet you that I was probably in that same area. I, I have a feeling that when I was in college in Pomona mm -hmm. in 2001 ish, mm -hmm. you're probably in high school around that time. Yeah, that's my freshman year. There you go. And there was a, there's a legendary venue in Pomona, uh, the glass house yeah. and Jurassic five used to play there all the time. Yeah. Did you ever get to see them? Well, there? See, that's when I was first like. I was first learned, like, literally my freshman year. So yeah. I wasn't to the point of figuring out where they were playing and stuff like that. Yeah. I just literally got the CD from him, and it's all I played. Yeah, like, yeah. that and Jay-Z's Blueprint. Those are the two. And I was just like, yeah. yeah. And so, and what I loved about Jurassic 5 is kind of going back to what I was saying. They were smart. Yeah. They were, like, religious, but they were cool, too. Yeah, and, right. like, they were underground, but they weren't nerds. It was just like, yo, this is... This is what we do. And yeah. the fact that they were harmonizing together and stuff. And anytime Tuna Fish rapped and that Mark voice. Seven. Yeah, yeah. I love Mark Seven and Tuna Fish. Yeah. All of them, really. So that's what was blowing my mind. And like 
Jurassic Five opened me up to like, all right, like just tap into all of this shit yeah. because this is the most amazing shit I've ever heard. Yeah, it takes you down a rabbit hole. That I mm-hmm. mean, that was one of those groups that took me down the rabbit hole too because, like I said, right when I moved to California, that's who was popping. Mm-hmm. And, and I remember going to the Glass House and seeing them copping a fucking J Five hoodie. Yeah, I yeah. wish I still had that joint. And then, um, yeah, I mean, dude, back then even seeing Black Eyed Peas at the at, mm-hmm. at the the Glass House, yeah, all the guys that kind of went on to be people that you and I would look up to mm-hmm. um they were all playing there back then i mean i remember yeah. seeing you know two max and bus mm-hmm. driver and, yep. and and um all these guys opening for all those shows back then mm-hmm. um but so did you get to go to a lot of local shows when you were growing up no i didn't even really i didn't go to shows really until maybe college really yeah and then i just started going on my own to them like when yeah. i started going to shows lupe was Ooh. it was like pre uh food and liquor and yeah. at that time lupe was the greatest rapper of all time to me like i was yeah. at every like the album wasn't even out yet and he's announcing when the album is dropping like i was a lupe fiasco how, how, how did you find him myspace myspace oh. was huge like especially my my age like yeah. myspace was how i was up on you know like lupe and uh even early drake you know yeah. like hearing drake yeah. early but uh yeah, just figuring out where the shows were. MySpace, they used to hold those secret shows, um, trying to go to those. But, yeah, high school, I didn't really go to, t- to too many shows. It was basically, um, it was basketball, and it was going to Z's house after school. And what we would do is we would, at first, we would just get instrumentals to songs. And we yeah. would, in each other, we just found our goofy sides, and we would just make the dumbest spoof songs like ever. Joke like, yeah, just yeah. messing around. How would you guys find the intros back then? He was good at going on LimeWire and Kazaa and all that. Yeah. And that's me learning, like, because I didn't have the computer or anything. So yeah. that's why I was at his house all the time. Like, he has a computer. He has all these CDs. He can download anything. He burns CDs for me. Like, this is amazing. And we were just close friends. But, like, yeah. that place was heaven to me. What other guys did you get into after, like, the Blueprint and, and Quality Control? Like, did you go further down the underground? Or did you kind of, were you delving into I started both? going into producers. Okay, yeah. So you, so you, like, leaned that way from yeah, the beginning. Yeah, because the genesis for me was hearing Timbaland. Oh, so yeah. when oh, I yeah. heard Timbaland for the first time in 97, yeah. nobody had drums like him. So that's nah. when I started, like, okay, this whole producer thing. Yeah. Whatever he's doing, I want to do that, too. And so— I always feel like the way Timbo used to put um, the kind of, like— panning uh, um, percussion that you would hear mm-hmm. like in Aaliyah songs and shit yeah. I feel like that stuff went on to inspire the beat scene stuff so much the yeah, way they would put no, like he was so far ahead that, of his it's time. almost like that ASMR percussion that yeah. you hear in the background yeah know? no Timbaland is and people take it for granted now like yeah. what he was doing nobody was doing that you couldn't figure out where the snares were gonna go Um, but yeah just kind of going back to that I think once I was on to Blueprint and Jurassic 5 um I started organizing in my head before I had the computer, but, oh, that's a Just Blaze beat. I love yeah. Just Blaze. Oh, that's a, uh, that's Timbaland. That's the Neptunes. I love the Neptunes. I was a big Neptunes fan. Yeah. N-E-R-D, uh, Vanessa Marquez, like that whole Star Trek thing. Like, I was one of those kids that was like, I found my tribe. And, yeah. and Kanye as well. Kanye dropped my junior year. And they were so important to me because going back to, hey, we're smart we're cool like we're just our own people like i felt like i was seen so i would say yeah it went from yeah kanye um who else was i listening to in high school heavy i i it, it was so much out at yeah. that time i'm trying to no, that's okay fabulous uh street dreams oh, album yeah. um nas i was just a really big ho fan too so okay, like, yeah yeah jay-z and nas like those are 
and Little Brother later on and uh, Slum Village and stuff like that. Yeah, of course. Of course. Those guys were huge. Then. Yeah. Um, I hear you saying like that your kind of first foray into hip hop was kind of like joke rapping. Mm-hmm. But how long was it until you realized like, okay, wait, maybe I'm not a rapper. Maybe the beat side is for me. Or did they kind of go hand in hand? Did you really, yeah. did you really try to rap for a while? So what happened was we would make the songs. Yeah. And then Fruity Loops came out. Yeah. And so he got the program. Yep. And then I was looking at the grid and it's like, oh, like we can make the we can make the beats now and do our funny, goofy songs. And so we would do that. And uh Z was he's Muslim, so he would always go off to pray. And when he would go off to pray, you get on the I would beat. try and make something like actually serious where I was like, I wonder if I can actually do this, this, and that. So that's what we did all of high school. And then um, when I got to Pepperdine my freshman year, you know, my friend, he went to Irvine, so I didn't have Fruity Loops anymore. So yeah. I got my first little credit card and I just bought it. You bought it? I you bought it. You didn't No, I it? bought it for $99. Holy yeah. shit, you're the first producer yeah, I've ever I met. Yeah, I didn't know how to do that. Yeah. I wasn't up on it yet. Yeah. So it's like, because he was telling me, he's like, oh, will you come back down or just, you know, get it off this torrent site? And I didn't have the patience for that I got shit. You. So I just bought it. And then as soon as I bought it, I said, okay, you... You invested in something, so you should, like, take this seriously. Wow. And then I also remember That's heavy. I randomly thought one day, I, because I actually love rapping. I just hated my voice. Yeah. And so I said, could you, could you never rap again but make beats only? Yeah. Could you only rap and never make beats again? No. Yeah. So at that point, I was like, okay, so just go all in on that. Like so just you do the out. beats, yeah. yeah. Wow. And it was like very simple to me. So I was like, that's where I'm going to go with it. That's like wisdom beyond your years, I feel It like. was very weird. It just popped up to me one day. And it was so clear because yeah. I was just like, no. I, you didn't want to split your efforts. You had to like. Yeah, I wanted to one. go all in on something and to give me the best chance to be good wow. or decent. Yeah. Wow. So. so what's that era like for you when you're first just diving into yeah. Fruity Loops that you bought? It was it was magical. It was. um. I'm in my dorm room. I'm on Fruity Loops. I finally learned how to sample. Yeah. And I started, I, I'm inspired by bodies of work. Yeah. So I started making many albums just for me to listen to. So what I would do is I would get like Disney songs and flip them. And I have it in my iTunes. As, at that time, I was calling myself J. Will or Dub Beats, one of those okay. names. But I was like, Dub Beats presents Disney or, or like Disney flips. And so yeah. that was my little Disney album. And then I did a Queen album, and then I did wow. a Doors album, and then I did like a Bob Marley one. So I'm wow. starting to open myself up to different themes. You're like, yeah, themes. Like it all goes back to I wanted to do something, but I couldn't like verbalize. And so what that ended up being is I love making bodies of work. So yeah. that's how I had to hear my music. So I'm doing that. Were you were you burning them and giving them to people? No, I was no. just listening to them myself. Wow. Yeah, I, I didn't have that confidence yet, but that comes with. Actually, one of my friends from elementary school that we were in the gate program together, we got reconnected on MySpace and he was rapping. Yeah. And I was like, oh, he actually has the equipment to rap. And he's, uh, his name is Orlando Coolridge. I still call him uh, Blackwater. That was his name at the time. Yeah. He was living in Arizona at the time, but we got back in touch. We would text and all that kind of stuff. And he had his music on his page. I didn't have it on my MySpace page yet. I think I got the nerve to like post a beat one day. And I remember he left a comment. He was like, yo, you're actually pretty good at this. Like, if you keep working at it, like, you can actually. And that one little bit of encouragement, like, went from me 
not wanting to ever show my shit. So like, okay, now I'm just going to start doing this. Yeah. You know? And so he ended up coming back to California. Um, and then I would just go over to his spot and I went from, you know, only doing things on my FL studio on my computer to he had an NPC and yeah. he had reason. And oh, I was wow. like, try all this shit out. I wasn't good on those things, but right. it was like, get analog with it. Like try and figure yeah. different things out. And, um, he was in a group called Rhythm Voyagers Crew. They had T-shirts, and I thought that was the coolest shit ever. Oh, yeah. And I was just like, man, uh, you know, just me, when I see something, I want to be a part of something. I want to be a part. I'm just going to, can I go to one of your guys' meetings and play beats? Yeah. And, like, play beats. There's, like, a video on YouTube to this day that's still on there. That's, like, me play, playing beats, auditioning to get into this group. No shit. Yeah, and they let me in, and then we started doing our first little shows, and that's pretty much how it started. Just, like, small moments of, like, affirmation and just like yeah you could do this like yeah just come to this little meeting that we're doing man that's dope uh that was very wholesome i'm like sitting here smiling (laughs) telling the story that's very it's funny that i that's why i try so much now to just even when people hit me in dms or just around just give them affirmation you never know like what the one word you say to them could you know could do for them so yeah that's real wow i want to go even deeper into that like first year of learning uh how to make beats like I, you, you were on a PC obviously because mm-hmm. of FL. Uh, what were you using to learn to sample like SoundForge or something? Fruity Loops had a slicer. It did. Ha- it had a slicer even back then. It had a slicer. Oh, I thought that so, was newer. Yeah. What would happen? So I had the original version. Yeah. I didn't know how to sample. So all my beats sounded like Pharrell and yeah, because you're like, using synths or whatever. Yeah. That's all. And that's what I love. My name is Jansport J because Pharrell called himself Skateboard P. I got you. So like, that's all I was doing. And yeah. as soon as they put the slicer on there, or I found it, I don't yeah. know which one happened right. first, I just took a song and threw it through the slicer. And I remember it would chop it up into like a 180 chops. Yeah. So I would just click through it. And see which chops you like. And make melodies. And yeah. so that's before I actually knew how to chop myself, but it was like, this is cool. And actually... I'm starting to listen to this group called Little Brother, and this is kind of what Ninth Wonder does. And yeah, he was is, like the he was one of the like original famous producers yeah. that would vouch for FL. Yeah, it had a bad rep back then. Yeah, and when I heard that he used it, it was like, oh, I could do this too. So yeah. I just got to figure out how, if he's doing that on here. Yeah, there's some things I got to learn, and that's yeah. just what like what set the ball in motion. I mean, I, I remember that like it was yesterday. It was like oh three, and when mm-hmm. Little Brother drops, and everybody's going like. Wow, uh, Ninth Wonder makes his beats on this PC program, uh, FL, or like everybody would say Fruity Loops, they wouldn't call it FL mm-hmm. back then. Yeah, no, it was still because it just had this bad juju they had, about it. They had to rebrand it later but on. My yeah. producer, Equilibrium, he was on FL and and he was like crazy with it. So I was like, yeah. oh, yeah, of course, Ninth Wonder is good at FL, like, yeah. FL's the shit. Yeah, 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 there's a whole generation of us that came up on FL and that, they still use it. Like, yeah, Hit absolutely. Boy uses it to this day. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so. That's another dude right next to you. I found, I learned recently that he's from Fontana. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So when you joined the Rhythm Voyagers crew, that's what it's called, right? Mm-hmm. Did you become the in house producer? Did, were there multiple of you, uh, multiple producers? There were, like, officially, there were three of us. Everybody kind of did a little bit of everything, but yeah. like the designated producers, it was me. It was Bohe. And so what it was is we had a couple in Southern California. Yeah. Bohe was in Toronto. Sketch was in Virginia. So we were you all. You guys were a real internet crew. Yeah. What's funny is they were, I guess they all met each other mostly on, I think it was like the GameStop message boards or yeah, something like that. Yeah, message boards were huge yeah. back then. So yeah. I wasn't on there, but that's how they all met each other. And I just met them yeah. through my man, Blackwater. That's what's so funny to me about uh 
the last few years where it's like, oh, such and such group met on a message board, mm-hmm. like it's some kind of new thing. I'm like, motherfucker, we've been meeting nah, each other through okay, message player boards. boards and all that. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Uh, even strange famous boards, the mm-hmm. hip hop infinity boards, like people yeah. have been making groups on message boards forever. Yeah, that was social yeah. media. Yeah, yeah. For, yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah. And it's it's funny because I saw recently somebody was saying like, wow, since the GameStop days, like you're actually like killing it. And I was like, well, I actually wasn't on those boards, but I remember hearing about like that's what Bohe and PCO and everybody. Bro, imagine if you guys would have invested in GameStop back then. Man, <laughs> man we'd be, yeah, we'd be all right. We, oh. And I think one of the guys, he does like taxes now too. Oh, no so shit. I'm sure he's just like, yeah. Yeah. So you guys are all collaborating through the internet back then. The per, yeah, So Bohe would send beats. Yeah. Me, uh, it was a guy named PCO, my man Blackwater. It's a guy named MH and Direct in Velocity. Yeah. All, all fantastic early 2000s yeah, backpacker Yeah, for sure. This names. is this yeah. is 2006. Like, th- these are our names. And yeah. I, I'm newly Jansport J, like, yeah. first year of it. And so we were all in Southern California. So we would we would still mail stuff, but we would get together and do shows. Yeah. So, like, we did On the Rocks. And we did yep. um, a spot out here or, like, an Eagle Rock. Yeah. You know, we would do, like, the little local shows that would let us perform. Yeah. Um, so it was a mix of like, yeah, all the internet email stuff, but also I got my first like hands on like producing people. So that's really dope. It's funny how Jansport J has really held up as a name though. Like I think yeah, that's like, that's a really great name. It's funny because I hate it. Really, it, it worked out. Yeah, I to this day dope. people are like, "Where's your backpack?" Oh, I don't even do that. But I thought it was cool when I first heard of you. I'm like, "Oh, that's cool." He's like saying that he loves backpack rap. I'm like, <laughs> yeah. that's dope. Yeah, no, it, it worked out for me because like even going back to Jasmine, Snoop remembers me because I have the funny name. You say, "Oh, that's Cuz with the funny name." So <laughs> it's always kind of worked out. But that's really funny. Yeah, I remember starting to hear about you around probably 2009 2010 mm-hmm. i don't know if you ever remember meeting me but we used to see each other at shows sure. all the time yeah. right and so um i remember it was you and hard work hard work, hard yeah. work and jansport j mm-hmm. like i kind of think maybe you guys were a group of sorts. yeah yeah we were yeah yeah so how does it go from um rhythm voyager crew to linking up with hard work Got kicked out of rhythm voyager's crew you got kicked out <laughs> because Why? we we brought on a manager there was a rapper in the group who's one of the greatest rappers I've heard to this day. Yeah. And I don't I don't know where he's at now, but yeah. that was an early lesson. And everybody that's super talented is not gonna it's not gonna work Talent out. Talent doesn't him. get you that far. But man. he was amazing. And so there was an older, I wanna say she like at this time we're early twenties, maybe twenty one, twenty two. She's maybe forty, early forties. She comes in, she knows he's a superstar pretty much. So she starts managing him and wants to manage the group. Yeah. So everybody agrees, okay, cool, we have a, a new manager. But she's prioritizing. I him. was the one person that, I guess she started putting paperwork on the table for people. And I was like, oh, yeah, I just want to look over it. Yeah. I don't know why I said it at that age, but my head was like, well, yeah, I'm not just going to sign something without right. Yeah. And because me and Blackwater wanted to look at the paperwork, we kind of actually got phased out. They had, like, another show yeah. that we didn't know about. And so... We just weren't really a part of the group anymore. That's like, it. I think we were still cool, but it was like a passive aggressive, like, oh, well, they didn't sign the paperwork, so I have this show for these guys. Oh, wow. So from that point, me and Blackwater start working together more. And um, But how was that feeling, though? Like, you're kind of brushing out over it, but it, was it a heartbreak of a no, loss at the time? No, I, I was weird. I think yeah. I just had, like, these – I think God just showed me a lot early on to just, like – I felt like I made the right decision in the moment. Instantly. 
Because it was like, oh, if you don't even want me to look at the paperwork, it yeah. can't be good. Yeah, right. Like, I'm cool. And I just believed in myself at that time. Like, yeah. I started to have the confidence. So yeah. it was like, oh, no, we'll just go do this. Um, so we started, you know, working uh, here and there. Um, but at the time in West Covina, it was a crew called Conscious Minds Crew that was, like, heavy in the city. And yeah. uh, you saw it on MySpace, but you also just saw them performing all these local shows. Yeah. So once again— I'm in this city and I'm hearing about them. Yeah. One of the guys in the group I grew up in church with. So I'm like, oh shit, like Nate is funk logic and he raps. I had no clue that he rapped. So they had a show at the Coffee Bean and I just said, I'm just going to go to the Coffee Bean and just meet him. Nate wasn't there yet, but Hard Work was the first person that came up to me and said, what's up? And so... Um, and he was in the crew as well? He was in the crew. Okay, they, yeah. There was like maybe seven or eight of them. Yeah. And they were all super talented. Um, and work was the one guy they were so committed to rapping together yeah and he played his role in that as well but he was also like man i want to do some stuff too like i want to do some like solo stuff yeah and i was so i think mers and knife at that time were yeah like the producer rapper thing was coming of back of course yeah and like me wanting to do the bodies of work again it was like i want to produce an album for you yeah and we just got along well, too. Like, we were just, once again, goofy guys just trying to make each other laugh yeah. till we cry. I, I remember him being just a very cool motherfucker. Like, yeah. always very personable mm -hmm. and, like, tall and handsome. Like, I was like, yeah. oh, this guy's going to make it probably. Yeah, you and know? he was just, he's he's super gifted. Yeah. He's to this day one of, like, the greatest rappers. Yeah, I've, yeah. He was so important for me because he was, like, the first person to like really trust me to produce them. And he taught me how to produce somebody. Yeah. You know, as far as like, okay, like I made a batch of beats and all right, you, you gravitate towards these two or three. Cool. And then now we're just driving around having conversations. I'm hearing about what's frustrating you, what you love about life right now, what you're excited about. So now my, like, oh, I should make something that can kind of help you oh, put wow. that into song. Wow. Yeah. So, that's like the bare bones of me learning how to produce was with hard work. Yeah, so that's the that's the moment you go from being a beat maker to like a producer. Yeah, yeah. and then like him trusting me to say like, okay, yeah, let's do this whole thing together because wow. there was plenty of other people he could have worked with. Right. Um. So we did the High Power Moves album, and it got us out the comfort zone of it was the first time where I was like, okay, we have to go record. We had a studio in West Covina, but because everybody was using it, it wasn't reliable. We went, We both were like, we have to do this and we have to be serious. Yeah. So we are like, okay, cool. There's a studio over by LAX. We're going to split the cost. We're going to pay it every week. We're both broke as shit, but yeah. it's like, all right, we're going to rub our money together and we're going to create an album. Right. You know? And at that time, we weren't even selling albums because, you know, that era, it was all about uploading it to Z-Share or something yeah, like that, yeah. seeing how many downloads you yeah, got. Yeah, right. Yeah, I mean, when me and, when me and um, Verbs put out the Buzz EP, we literally mm -hmm. just, like, put it in a MySpace uh, bulletin or whatever. Yeah. And, like, a, that was it. Yeah. It was like, here's our album. Mm -hmm. And then, like, a few days later, people were like, yo, come perform that album. It's yeah. great. So we would look at guys like you because it was like you guys were a step ahead, ahead of us because you were releasing the music and then you were doing the shows, too. Yeah. And so we're looking at Verbs and Intuition. Yeah. We're looking at 
satire and the yeah. swim team and swim all team, that. You yeah, know, we're Mike seeing Eagle, all, all them guys. Yeah, and so it's because well, like, that's how I met you was like during the Intuition and Verbs era. It was right. like we were playing so many shows mm-hmm. that summer, and then like yeah, that summer I probably met you and like Verses and, mm-hmm. and just, yeah. just you know dudes that like now I look back and I'm like oh we're actually from the same generation. But yeah, I felt like a couple. I mean, I am a couple years older than you guys. Yeah, but yeah I felt like oh we're like a couple years ahead. You know. Yeah. So I mean that's that that was just the era and um we grew together yeah it's like we always had to step out and do something that we had never done before so it was like all right let's invest in studio time let's put out an album that's dope let's try and do a tour like let's just rent a car and like go to stockton and reno and like just figure this shit out like we have friends in stockton we thought the show was going to be sold out nobody was there we were damn near crying going to reno yeah where we don't know anybody and then it's sold out in reno so wow. we're like learning all this shit together yeah how how did the show sell out in reno i have no clue to this day did you guys headline or you were just opening or what happened i think we were headlining but whatever that meant at the time yeah. i think maybe because we were like the only show in town and yeah. they were just pumping it in that city and it was That's just dope. i think the openers like local openers that got the local openers had but i think the local openers were fans of us oh sick too so it was like so yo we got it. so they were like i remember they were really pumping us up like before we were coming on stage That's so dope. Yeah. but but yeah, like I said, doing that, putting out our first uh, album for sale and yeah. like all those early steps, you yeah. know, we, we took together. Yeah. So. That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. So then what happens? Um. So then we put out Black Balls and um, that was our second album. And it I don't think it did as well as we wanted it to do. Yeah. Um, did it feel like it was going to be the one, the one to take you to the promised land? I don't want to, I don't want to speak for work, but yeah. I'll say in my interpretation of it yeah back then i think work was like this is the one yeah and even to this day but back then definitely i've always kind of been a pessimist with an optimistic work ethic okay to me it's another brick in the in the foundation right if this doesn't go crazy it's here people are going to come back to just back to the drawing board and so you know when it didn't do as well and we made some decisions that like we just kind of, yeah. some things just didn't work out the way we thought it would. For me, it was like, all right, that's done. I'm yeah. on to the next thing. Like, let, what, was the ne- what was the next thing? I think the next thing was um, Movements 2. Yeah. I just started doing my instrumental albums. Yeah. Because that's something that I could control. And I think that's the way I've always been. It's like, I... Was that your first instrumental album? No, no. I had done um, 2 a.m. tape yeah. in 09. Um then I did movements, save my soul, yeah, and then movements too. So I think movements too was right after that black balls situation. What year do you think was your first instrumental album that you released? Two thousand nine. Two thousand nine. Yeah. Since then, roughly, you don't have to actually count. Yeah. How many instrumental albums do you think you've put out? Because I mean, I think you put out like four or five yeah. just in the last year. So the the way I I say it in my head, which yeah. to other people won't make sense, unless it's like a diehard fan. Yeah. I have nine instrumental albums. Yeah, there's a lot of beat tapes and just bodies of work that I get out, but uh, okay, the energy got put behind certain projects has been nine of them. Because some of them are just like Lucy tapes, and other ones are ones well, yeah. where you're like really putting together a body of work. Yeah, what I started doing like two years ago is yeah. I completely erased the concept of work working on an album for a year, year and a half. Because yeah. that shit is dead. Yeah. Unless you're Kendrick or Drake or somebody. Right. And the homie, like, God bless him, chasing cash, he told me one day, he was like, You are amazing, but you are 
like you're not doing everything you can do. Yeah. Like you're kind of cheating the world because you have all this shit that you could be doing. He's but like you, clear the hard drives. Yeah, yeah. He's like push it out. And so yeah. what I just started doing is like looking at those beat tapes as mini albums. And okay. I started I stopped making it so sacred and saying like, okay, yeah. cool. Like take that year and turn it into a month. How long ago was that thought process? Just a couple that years was, ago. That was yeah, like two thousand. 18 or 2019 that's when it looks like your your product has like yeah increased uh your output has increased a lot since then and everything else started moving when i did that and that's when i really started realizing like right when i started doing that i just had the realization that music has always been my best pr yeah i'm not good at doing the rah-rah or sometimes i get a look sometimes i get looked over when i drop some shit Mm. people pay attention at least in that moment that's right so if you just keep dropping shit and you even get an email. Yeah. And then people who've been sitting on my beats for years, yeah. they want to work because they see momentum. And it's just like, I mean, even the, not that I'm anything special or this show is anything special, but the reason I finally reached out was just because I was like, I just keep hearing your name on people's tongues again. And yeah, I'm like, man, I've known this dude for fucking 12 years. Like, yeah. I need to hit him up. And, and you have been kind of featured on the show before because we had El Prez on yeah, when you guys Prez did Prez Sport, um, which was an amazing project. Slept on, I think. But uh, yeah. So, yeah, tell me basically about how you go from dropping some instrumental albums to, like, uh, getting all these placements. Well, I mean, just to touch on yeah, Prez Sport, please. like, El Prez, he was on me and Hardwork's first album, and yeah. he's just always kind of been like a staple in the LA hip hop culture. Yeah, yeah, like Prez he, has always been around. The same way that you talk about, you would just show up to shows and say hi to people. Yeah. That's how Prez always you was. See Verve, always you see Verve, you see Prez, you see Satire yep. versus these are fixtures in yes, the LA exactly, scene. Exactly. So we wanted to work, and I just, well, he approached me about working, and I thought it was so interesting because if you know El Prez, he probably has the most L.A. accent ever. Absolutely. And I was like, this would sound interesting on some super soulful shit. Yeah, like, I want right. to try this out. And right. so we had, we knew we wanted to work, but then he's he came up with the title before we did anything. Yeah. He said, Urban Street Americana. Uh-huh. I said, oh, I know exactly what that sounds like. Oh, I know yeah. what I'm creating now, you know? Yeah. And that's this is the world I want to take you to. So so we do that. Um, it does well. Um and that's what, like 14 or 15? 2014. Like yeah, yeah, yeah. 2013, 2014, yeah. So, yeah, we do that. I just put out more instrumental albums. Um, I was able to work with Fat Beats. I worked with Delicious Vinyl. There was that whole era. Yeah. Um, But the, I guess the real bridge from the- that, that was what, like the Baker's Dozen stuff? Or what did you do? No, Fat Beats, we did uh, Pharaoh, okay. my Pharaoh album. Okay, and that, okay. that was a jump because what I had done Soul Provider with Delicious Vinyl, so that was like a level up for me. Yeah. And then the Feral album was just something that I just made in New York. Yeah. Uh, we were stuck in the blizzard there. And there's this picture that's like, you can Google it. It's Rakim and Eric B. And Rakim's just looking dead at the camera yeah. with like a gold chain. Yeah. And he's got this look of like, he's humble, but you also know there's reverence there. Yeah. And I was like, I want to make music that feels like that, that Rakim picture. picture and this blizzard. Wow. And so that's what Who happened. were you out there with in the blizzard? We were... It's me and my manager. Oh, yeah. And I had a homegirl that lived out there, so she let us stay. I think my boy Goldie came with me. Yeah. But we were just in that phase of like, hey, like, let's go to New York and do a show in Brooklyn. Yeah. Like, let's just get a ticket and just, just make try and do some shit. Yeah. But Pharaoh, it was a fun album to make. I didn't think that would be the biggest album, but that's the one that, for whatever reason, Bandcamp and Pitchfork and everybody just they grabbed up on it. Yeah, and so from there, you think it's cause like of the Fat Beats cosign or what? Fat Beats, and then me and Hit Boy got 
we tap back in because I've known okay. Hit Boy just like online since like 2011, and we yeah. would link up yeah. once or twice a year. Yeah play beats for each other and then you know we wouldn't see each other for the rest of the year but yeah. i feel like maybe 2018 like after pharaoh and uh he started working out the chalice it was just like hey pull up and just like press play on some shit yeah. and um we just started working more together and um it was super inspirational because that was the same time period where chase and cash told me you know you're not doing enough yeah. you need to go harder and then i'm seeing everybody come through hit boys studio and how hard he works and yeah it was just when you put yourself yeah when you put yourself in that atmosphere it forces you to go harder hell yeah and when people see you working and then I, I think the key for me is that i would be in the rooms and then i would go and do my own shit so they didn't think i was solely relying on them to do something for me and so right. um you know just just i don't know just being in the rooms and just good energy knowing people for a long time to where they just trust, trust you and it's like hey like now is the time for us for whatever reason. Yeah, and that's yeah. it's a special room over there. And so yeah, we just started fucking with each other. I started meeting a lot more rappers and you get that cosign in the room, people are listening differently. And so right. that's really right. what's happened. In two thousand eleven, when you meet Hit Boy, was he like Hit Boy back then? Nah. Or he was well, just... he was he was he was doing uh major label records. Yeah. But I would think at that time you would say he was a rising producer. He wasn't like a household name like he is. No. Yeah. He, it, the the good music deal hadn't happened yet. Yeah, yeah. And then he got signed and he did Christmas in Harlem. Yeah. And then, um, you know, people started picking up on him. But then he did Niggas in Paris and Click and it just. You skyrocket. Yeah. So I, I just literally watched somebody become like a superstar producer. Yeah. You know, so. you know I, I've had some friends that I've watched become superstars. And I'll be honest, I'm not good at like uh, being able to reach out afterwards. Like, because yeah. I feel like I'm asking for something. Yeah. And so I've lost contact with those people. So, yeah. like, how did you uh, manage to, you know, keep it cool with him? Basically, he reached out to me. Yeah. He, he reached out to me, I think, through Curtis King. Oh, I think yeah, yeah. Curtis King had went up there. Shout out, Curtis King. Yeah, yeah. for sure. That's another guy just like from that same era we just all fuck with each other yeah exactly i used to he is another one that i used to see at every single show yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, what he's done with like youtube tutorials is fucking crazy amazing. it's just amazing to see like all my peers just do the things angles, in different lanes the angles, yeah. yeah so um i think curtis had hit me up and was like yo like i play hit boy I, Hit Boy had really liked the I Lied joint I did for Curtis King. Yeah. And I hate that beat. Really? But he loved it. And yeah. so he would always ask about me or whatever. So I think we got reconnected on that. And we did like a a joint for their Half a Mill album that had Ty Dolla Sign on it. Yeah. And so when we did that, we just started like fucking with each other more. That's and dope. so, yeah, it, because I'm the same. I don't, I don't want to. Uh, I just try to be regular with people. And yeah. when people are having a super moment, I, I'm almost too cautious and like i don't want to be perceived as like yo a like, clinger yeah i never want to be that i've I've always just been happy for people yeah. i send people like their you know blessings texts yeah, and all congrats that kind of, and just, all i that. just try to be good energy yeah. and i think when people perceive that it's actually from an honest space and i'm not asking for anything from you i just have the mentality of when something is right we'll link up and yeah, do it yeah, so totally, totally. i think that's really just what happened yeah that's dope being in those rooms, is that what starts getting you a, a lot of these more recent placements? Yeah, for yeah. sure. Um, just staying ready. That's our, our biggest thing. Like, he really if put me up If you stay ready, on, you don't got to get exactly, ready. Exactly, sugar-free. Yeah, you know, but it. uh, it's just, it's doing the work. Like, the, the one-way flight joint that we did for Benny, that beat is like two or three years old. And it's just something that we fucked around with. I forgot about it. It's, hey, like, Benny hopped on this one, so we're doing that, you know? So yeah. it's about 
not um I tell people all the time, you gotta be able to handle rejection well. I've had oh. so many semi life changing moments that didn't happen and sorry, right, just go yeah, to the next that's one. That's like, it. Nose gotta yeah. really roll off your back, man. Yeah, that's I it. was on the Nas album and it got cut because of sample clearance. And oh. it was like, hey, like it's all good. I had the experience, you know yeah. what I'm saying? Like, if it'll happen, it's going to happen when it's supposed to. Yeah, right. Yeah, be, being in the rooms, I would say uh, that's a, that was another very important thing. Not so much that I was a bedroom producer, yeah. Um, but I did kind of get comfortable in being somewhat introverted again and just being to myself. And right. I kind of like popping out at certain times. And it right. was like, no, I'm, like that's just not doing anything for anybody. Yeah, that's kind of this interesting dynamic uh, in the producer game where it's like, I know a lot of amazing world-class producers mm-hmm. who just don't know how to do it in front of people mm-hmm. or don't know how to like talk to people yeah. and network, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. And I think that it seems to me, and I could be wrong, in your heart of hearts, you are a bedroom producer who's also gotten pretty good at networking. Yeah, I force myself to do things because I know the end goal Yeah, is the bigger picture. Yeah, I would rather just be at my crib all the time making beats right sometimes you got to do it in there's been so many times where i said go to chalice tonight you don't want to whenever i don't want to is when i make myself going some crazy shit happens that's a that's the depression and shit telling you like don't do this and then when you tell it nah fuck you like yeah that's when the good shit happens for real yeah and like i i really take on the the idea of i try to control what i can yeah so it's like if i didn't go to a session one night and something crazy happened, that's my fault. I could have went, you yeah, know? So if yeah. I show up and something didn't work out, it's like, all right, cool, you were there for it, you know? Yeah, like, yeah. you did what you were supposed to do. I feel like if you do that enough, like, good things happen for you. But, yeah, it was important for me to, you know, I, I had to think about studios for so long because the atmosphere of extra people being there. A lot of people are in the studio that have no purpose. But those are those clingers. Yeah, and I was like, I don't want to be in that. But yeah. thankfully, like, he's, he's you know, the people I've worked with, they're not on that type of time. We're all adults now. So yeah. it's like, dog, like, we're here to work. Like, right. we do, like, afternoon sessions. We'll go from, like, 4 to 8 or 9. It's like, right. all right, it's time to go home. Like, yeah. you know. Treat so. it like a job. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, why, why work at 4 in the morning? That would be some. You don't have to unless it's a superstar. Abuse, you know? yeah. Yeah, yeah. Unless it's a special night. But yeah. outside that i'm trying to get home by 10 o'clock you feel me do you have any placements that stick out as like that were mind-blowing to you or that are that are really special to you the first one that really had me geeked was actually uh roxy and charlie tuna did an album oh wow ron artiste and i had a beat on there yeah and i was just like it's a full circle because charlie tuna that's your guy yeah and at that time there were bigger names that i was starting to get but i was like fuck charlie tuna like hearing his voice on my shit i was like this is so it took you right back to high school yeah yeah Yeah. that was crazy um hearing snoop i was at my old job um jasmine i sent a a batch of beats to her i I can't remember if she told me that he hopped on something or that he liked something yeah i don't know if i knew if he actually recorded it but i saw that he put out like randomly a dj drama mixtape yeah and i'm at work and i'm like i'm gonna go to this back computer just to see if like if i'm on here like a mixtape and so i press play and i'm literally the intro and i remember just sitting there like oh my god and i just thought like this is me like this is snoop rhyming on and it's like why are you here Man, but yeah, that's um, special. Yeah, yeah, just uh, Snoop and another very special moment. Snoop had an artist named Jabba Loke. Snoop was on the hook of it, and it's mainly Jabba Loke rapping. And so this was going to be like one of my first like producer checks. So yeah. it was like 
maybe like 2,500 or something like that. And right. from, I was like, oh, that's amazing. Yeah. And so there were two samples on it. There's like the main sample I did. Yeah. And then there's like the, you remember the Eni Kamozi record, the hot step? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. The, what, what? Yeah, yeah. I threw that shit on there just like as an accent. Yeah. The main sample got cleared. The little hot step sound yeah. got denied. The album was coming out at midnight. Yeah. So it was like, hey, like this other sample didn't get clear. And I'm at work. And they're like, uh, we got to, we got, well, they were saying like, we're going to take it off the album yeah. or unless you can like edit the beat. And so Snoop was telling them, he was like, let him figure it out. Let's see if he can like, yeah, wait. He was like, just wait for him. So I just told my boss, I was like, I have to go home right now. And yeah. he was mad. I was like, you know, I have to go home. And I went home and I took that extra sample off and sent it back through yeah. and just like put something else there. And they were like, oh, yeah, this is good now. But the fact that Snoop waited on me to do that, like, I was just like, that's. He said, oh, that's because with the 40 name. Yeah. Take his time. On my Black White Goldville album, I asked Jasmine, I was like, do you think I can get like a, a voicemail from Snoop just saying like, hey, I need some more beats. Like, yeah. I don't think it's going to take weeks. He yeah. sent it the next day. So yeah. I'm like, don't let anybody ever say anything bad about Snoop to me. Like, he's just, yeah, it's amazing. I mean, yeah, he's an icon. Yeah. yeah he's a fucking legend. And super yeah. down to earth. So cool. Yeah. And you know what's dope about him? So everything was through the internet at one point. Like, yeah. I've only met him once, but the time I met him. Yeah. They ended up doing like a movie to the Jabaloke album. Yeah. So like they had this premiere, and so everybody's like in the back, and we're waiting on Snoop to come through. And I'm thinking there's going to be the opportunity to meet him. Yeah. They're trying to get everybody into the theater just to watch the movie. So I'm like, oh, okay, like another time I'll meet him. Yeah. So for some reason, like we were we were like one of the last ones to go. So we're going down this small dark uh, hallway, and I see like these two big ass like security guards like turn the corner. Yeah. I'm like, oh, Snoop is coming right now. But my whole thing is like. He's walking through the back. He's You're with two bodies. Yeah, I'm not bothering yeah. him. And so we're walking by, and then he pokes through the two security. Like, what's up, nephew? Blah blah blah. Yeah. And I'm like, that's dope because he's super cool and humble, but he's also famous enough to where it's like, you know who I am. I'm Snoop Dogg. So this is a moment for, for you. you. So I'm gonna say, yeah. So it's like, hey, what's up, nephew? I, like, instead of me reaching out to say anything, I think about that so much. Cause you know, Jasmine still comes over to the crib to kick it with me and stuff. And, and in talking to her about her day to day life working with Snoop, mm -hmm. it's such an interesting thing that this is a dude who like lives his life knowing that every person he meets they will never forget yeah, it yeah never yeah. like he'll, he's always got to be on you know what i'm saying like speaking of alaska he would go up and perform in fairbanks you know and i would hear stories when i would go home about like oh man fucking you know snoop played at the howling loon and and uh we got to meet him and da 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 da, da. and it's like yeah. all these people they will never forget that day where like maybe they hit yeah. a point with snoop or whatever and that's just another day for him every day is a memory for somebody right else. but yeah. for everyone else like they'll never forget that day they met snoop that's yeah. got to be that's got to be such a mind fuck, yeah, you know, but he it. handles it well. And it's been that way since 92. I'm saying, like, he was 19. Yeah, you know like, this saying? is his life every day since 1992. He has been famous longer than he hasn't been famous for it's his crazy. life. Yeah, yeah, it's nuts. Yeah. Well, shit, man. You you released a, a tape in October. That was fantastic. Yeah, yeah. Uh, any weather. Yeah. Um, and so this year, yeah, I'm actually doing a Save My Soul too. So Save My Amazing. Soul was like one of the first instrumental albums that I did that I felt like people gravitated towards. And yeah. uh, I never planned on doing like a part two to it. I just, I kind of got into my head like, all right, just do a tape that you could put out in February. Yeah. And the music I was making was like, I hadn't felt that feeling in 10 years. It felt 
like the same like weird, warm, soulful like sound. And so, yeah. like for a week or so, I was just like, "Is this save my soul too?" I was like, "I don't want to do that. That's weird." Like yeah. to, but I was like, "No, this is your shit. You can call it whatever. If this is what it feels like to you, like yeah, call it that." So yeah. that I'm dropping that this month. Um, and uh, just trying to stay busy. Just you know, with the pandemic, we were just starting to. Uh, tour a little bit more overseas. Yeah. So we're just kind of waiting for things to open back up. But yeah. in the meanwhile, just stay busy with, yeah. uh, stay in the studio, continue to do what I'm doing, uh, on the beat tapes and, you know, producing for other artists as well. Yeah. Uh, I'm working with Michael Christmas right now. I love Michael Christmas. Yeah, yeah. We just randomly connected like a couple of days ago, and he he works so fast. Oh, that's so. dope. My literal last show that I ever performed, like that I ever headlined, he mm. was one of the the acts that I hired to open because I thought he was so great. Yeah, yeah back yeah. in 2015. Yeah, yeah. He, he's dope. So yeah, yeah uh, working with Thurs on some music. Amazing. Um, love yeah. Thurs as well. Yeah, just. I mean, know. it's come full circle for you because now here you are. You, you went to the college show to try and meet you and I. Yeah, and now you're working yeah. With Thurs. And, and that's what's cool too is just like you know it, it feels like a, a graduation class yeah. and even when i sit with dom and work with him it's just like we've all known each other for a long time so long. despite the different levels of success when we all see each other it's just like yo that's the interesting thing is that when you're in it like you were just talking about like um you would see uh, verbs and i perform and be like oh we're trying to get like that and and mm-hmm. in my head I, I was probably like oh yeah those are the little homies mm-hmm. it's like man you get ten years past that, and everybody's really on the same plane. Yeah, because it's like you have you have battle scars. You made it through. Yeah, exactly. Because there's a lot of people that just you know they disappear. Yeah, yeah. And so you know, after a certain point, it doesn't matter if in 2010 this person was really famous and you just were a fan of them. Because mm-hmm. here comes 2021, and now we're all just like, yeah, let's get this money together. You mm-hmm. know, yeah. exactly, exactly. Yeah. That's dope, man. Yeah. Uh, well, I'm glad that it all worked out and that it's still working out, and um. I'm glad that you aren't one of the ones that disappeared, man. Man, congrats! It. Yeah, just I, I, I didn't have any other choice. <laughs> this is this is all I, you know, this is all I ever wanted to do. So yeah. it's like I can't, yeah, put one foot in front of the other, see where it takes you. That's it. That's it. Yeah, man. I think um, it's a story of uh, perseverance pays off, and, and um, you know, doing what you love pays off, and and. Th- people are going to notice if you if you just keep your fucking chin down and nose to the ground. Yeah, so. man, just work. And I always tell people, don't be an asshole, man. Just be a pleasant person to work with. That's and it. people will remember that. They yeah. will, If they have good things to say about you in the room when you're not there, yeah. word gets around, you know? Yeah. So, like, let people speak good about you instead of talking shit. And I will say, like, we know so many of the same people, and I have never heard a bad word about Jansport. Yeah, that's a that's blessing. That's a blessing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah you, you, you're very well respected. Appreciate it. Yeah, that. man, most definitely. Thank you for coming in. I'm glad that I, I finally got to hear your story and right, that we got this in. Um, before we get out of here, tell the people where they can find you online. Yeah, Jansport J on Twitter, Instagram, um, JansportJMusic.com, uh, AllAttractionNoChasing.com. That's my merchandise home. We're going to be focusing on putting out more merchandise this year. So. I definitely tune into those spaces. Yeah, yeah. Amazing. My name is Lee. Some of you guys might know me as Intuition. You can follow me online at It's Intuition. You can follow us as a unit at Kinda Neat on Twitter, Instagram, and even TikTok. Uh, I'm on Clubhouse too, but you know what? I find myself not really using it that much. I was on Clubhouse for a week, and I was like, this is not going to work for me. Man, you know, everybody on there that wants to talk, it's like, who who It's people that want to hear themselves talk. And I was just like, oh, it's what what 
I cringe at. It's the opposite of me. So I'm, I'm just the same like, way. I really feel like most of the people who are really worth their weight in in knowledge, like, aren't really trying to like talk about how much knowledge they have. The one know? idea that I wanted to do when I was on it for the week, yeah. I never spoke in any of the rooms, yeah. but I thought it would be cool to but do like an album club, just like pick an album like every yeah. or two or three times a week and just discuss it and yeah. just have people like go and listen to it like That's dope. the obscure albums you yeah, know what I'm saying yeah. like a Sign of the Times by Prince you know just r- shit that I've always heard about but maybe haven't tapped all the way into right take the week listen to it and like everybody it. dissect yeah. it together yeah that's just also just like a that. great podcast idea too though yeah uh, yeah the one good experience that I or great experience that I had on Clubhouse was you know the night that uh, everybody found out that MF Doom passed oh uh, yeah a lot of people yeah, got heard there about and that. convened and mm-hmm. um, Just Blaze was moderating a room and, yeah. and um, you know everybody was just kind of talking about why they loved him and playing their favorite songs of his. And, and it was very, it was kind of like, you know, little mini funeral or something or something like a a gathering, a celebration of life. It was really nice. And I would love to say like, shout out to doom and his legacy. That was very important in my own doom. What I learned from him is just, uh, this is another one of those people that just gave me the confidence to be weird and just do it. Yeah. Like my mixes on my beats are no, they are not, they're not textbook. They're, yeah. I just do whatever feels good. And I learned that from Doom as far as like, yeah, his mix does it shit sound good? Yeah, does it sound good to you? Does it feel good? Yep. Then that's what it is. Just make it consistent. There and it like, is. It's the way he put himself out there. Like, shout out to him and his legacy. Yeah, man. RIP Doom for real. Yeah. That was Jansport J. Yes, I'm sir. Lee. Yep. And this was kind of neat.